How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Bucks presented by brewhoop.com and presented by our good friends at SeatGeek. Download the mobile app for the easiest way to buy tickets and the promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. It'll get you $20 rebate on your first purchase. I'm Frank Madden. I'm joined by Eric Name. We just finished uh, cranking out a game recap and analysis and random thoughts and notes on the (laughs) Bucks. Huge. Preseason opening win, uh, 93-91. Eric, uh, how are you doing on this fine day? And um, are you just so over the moon about the Bucks being undefeated in the 2016-2017 preseason? I'm not over the moon on that, <laughs> but I am over the moon on just basketball, basketball? being yeah. around. <laughs> like Tonight, my entire timeline was full of random vines, random tweets. And I mean, it, like it started at 2.30 because of Oklahoma City playing Real Madrid. So there's just been basketball in my Twitter timeline, and that makes me so unbelievably happy. So I'm in a great mood, and our website is full of stuff for people to read. The, I don't even know how many things we put up today. And as we've been talking about this week, there's going to be more and more stuff. And basketball's back, and that's cool. And I'm very much excited about that. Yeah, it's I just like the fact that we can actually see these guys playing after spending, you know, whatever it was, a few months speculating on how these different new pieces in particular <laughs> were going to fit together. Yeah. And, you know, you can only, I think, talk about it so long before it's just like, OK, let's just see how this crap works. And uh, hopefully it does. And maybe some things won't, but at least give us some data. Let us see some actual basketball since that's why why we're all here. Um, so as I mentioned, I, you know, we, we've got the game recap up. People can look at all the, the excruciating details we put in there as far as the game flow, but I guess high level, um, bucks come out with a starting five of, uh, the only surprise Malcolm Brogdon in for Matthew Della Vadova, uh, joined by Rashad Vaughn, Giannis Adetokounmpo, Jabari Parker, uh, and Miles Plumley. So basically the lineup we expected a week ago after media day, with the exception of Brogdon slotting in for Della Vadova, which, um, as you mentioned in the, in the analysis on the recap, we should not read anything into, <laughs> uh, looked like kid was just sort of trying something different, throwing a, a rookie into the, into the fire a little bit. Uh, and that group really struggled early on. They were down 14 to three after, uh, about six and a half minutes of play. And then, uh, the reinforcements come in, MCW, Della Vadova, Monroe, I think was the first wave. Toledovich came in um, after that as well. Michael Beasley came in, and that group was basically the firepower that brought the Bucks back into it. I think it was a 37-12 to 12 advantage uh, off the bench uh, going into halftime. Bucks were up uh, 13 at the half, kind of kept that lead for most of the game uh, the rest of the way, and then sort of late in the game when uh you know some of the only some of the kind of a reserves were in uh the bucks then started to kind of let things slip away but 
your hero and mine, Rashad Vaughn, <laughs> stepped up to hit the game-clinching three-pointer with 40 seconds to go. Giving the Bucks a 93-91 win, basically kind of MCW was uh, kind of do, doing everything, both for better and worse, down the stretch and made a couple plays uh, to... to uh, basically he was, I, I was going to say win, win a ball, like a holding midfielder in soccer. Um, he had a huge <laughs> offensive rebound set up the Vaughn three and, um, and then actually had a nice defensive play to, to stop an alley-oop and then got called for a, you know, phantom foul on Cristiano yeah. Felicio, which I, I thought initially just the way Felicio missed it, that he, he must've been fouled, but it was tough to see anything. Anyway, ball don't lie. Felicio misses both free throws. <laughs> Bucks win, Bucks win. Um, so kind of taking a step back, obviously the result isn't particularly important. We don't necessarily care about wins and losses in the preseason, but I'm trying to hang a preseason banner, Frank. I don't know (laughs) what you're talking about, but, uh, obviously you want, especially your key players to play well. You want to start finding some rotations at work. You want to find combinations and, you know, stylistic things that, that start to make sense. So what kind of we can talk about what made us happy and sad in really kind of broad terms tonight uh but let's start with the happy what what did you see tonight that made you happy eric well frank the one thing that always makes me happy is seat geek i'll answer your question a little bit but first seat geek they're our wonderful sponsor and football is back and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year, and with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the seats you want for a great value. SeatGeek has the best deals on every ticket in the house. Whether you want to sit at the 50-yard line, the club seats, or the upper level, and that is the God's honest truth. I just took a look on the SeatGeek app, which is very easy. You should download it if, you, if you're going to use SeatGeek. Man, why you wouldn't have it on your phone is beyond me. It's easy to download, and I was just checking out Packers tickets for this Sunday, and there are some dark green dots. And if you don't know what dark green dots mean or what green dots mean or what red or yellow dots mean, that's how they grade the seats on SeatGeek. And there's dark green dots in Lambeau Field, which means those are amazing deals. Amazing deals at Lambeau Field for a Packers game on a Sunday night. That's insane. So go ahead and check those out. And with SeatGeek, like I said, they have the app and it shows you the best deals in the stadium and you get to know exactly where those deals are, what those deals are, and how you can get them. And the cool thing with SeatGeek is every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee. And best of all, our listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. So if you haven't already done this, which I can't imagine why you haven't, but if you haven't gone on to SeatGeek, now's the time. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S, that's L-O-Bucks, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S, that's L-O-Bucks, today. I said it last night when we talked, but Matthew Dellavedova, I, I don't know how it could be anything else. Just I would say he was the Bucks' best player tonight, and if he wasn't the best, he was he was very close. Um, it, he came on the floor, made an instant in- impact, and everything just looked better when he was on the floor. 
the the extra pass that we haven't seen on a Bucks team in oh man, it's been it's been a while since we've seen extra passes regularly getting made. It was back when he was on the floor, and again, it's the preseason. We shouldn't read too much into it, but it's exactly what I was talking about with Delavadova last night. He makes the right basketball play. And it, it doesn't really matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter if uh, he's about to catch it on the three-point line and he makes the right decision whether to shoot or to attack the closeout. It doesn't matter if it's making the extra pass. It doesn't matter if it's getting into the lane and picking the right decision on the floater or the alley-oop or to kick out to uh, corner three for Jabari. It, he makes the right decision. And that is a very welcome addition to this Bucks roster. Yeah, he was plus 17 tonight, uh, 11 points on three of six shooting. All three of his made field goals were threes, assists, uh, two turnovers in 24 minutes. Uh, a guy that, you know, maybe maybe Kid was just trolling us because we've been talking about how Delavidova is, you know, the one lock in the backcourt as far as the guy who's going to play <laughs> a lot. So, of course, he brought him off the bench tonight. But uh, I think when he was on the court also... I think coincided with Giannis getting getting off the schneid a little bit in the second quarter. Giannis had a couple of post-ups, and, and Delavidova made good reads to basically kind of run to, to open spots so he could spot up, give Giannis an outlet uh, when he was kind of running out of options in the post. Uh, first one, I should I say the first one wasn't necessarily running out of options, but the second one, I think he was, had kind of put himself in a bad spot and picked up his dribble, and Delhi kind of ran in the corner and uh, elevated for an open three. So... Um, that felt like okay, yeah. Delhi with Giannis, that's going to be very good for for Giannis. That's going to be good for Delhi. Um, that was a good combination. I think, um, you know, if I was going to pick three guys that that sort of stood out uh, in for good good reasons, uh, I'd say Della Vadova for sure. One of them. I think Greg Monroe stood out for good reasons. He kind of was part of that group that that energized them uh, in the first quarter. I think he had eight in the first quarter. 15 in the game in only 17 minutes, nine boards, three blocks, couple steals, plus 10. Uh, you know, played well on both ends for the most part. He was active. And, active. Yeah. And that's, not, and that's not a way you would normally describe Greg Monroe, or at least not the Greg Monroe that was around last year. Yeah. And I think the, you know, the Bulls maybe aren't the best measuring stick because I think the backup bigs they had quote unquote bigs they had were were Bobby Portis and Nikola Mirotic yeah. so not ex, you know guys that that Greg you know can go to work on but that's also part of the the, the whole thesis of bringing him off the bench is that you know teams sometimes are going to just have these really kind of small undersized uh, big men or just obviously less talented big men and a guy like Greg given his bulk and his savvy and his skill level uh, he's going to be able to get stuff done so I thought Greg Monroe was also very impressive and then I think um I don't know, I, I have a kind of I think Toledovich was was the guy that really jumped out in the first half. I think he scored all ten of his points on four or seven shooting in the first half. Uh, Bucks did not take a three in the first eight minutes, and I think I was already sit, sitting there getting impatient <laughs> and saying, "Oh God, you know, you're just we're we continually see these guys like Jabari and Brogdon, Vaughn, guys who just don't have that like I'm going to shoot a three instinct. Even Vaughn, who's nominally supposed to be a guy that just yeah. shoots threes." sort of hesitates a lot. Um, and we kind of saw in that first quarter again as, as kind of everything just sort of got cramped up and, and confined to small spaces on the court. And then Toledovich comes in, and I think he checked in on a free throw. Uh, on a Bucks free throw, they went to the other end. 
Bulls did something, they come back, Kaledovich nails a three immediately coming to the game, and that kind of set the tone for, uh, it seemed like everybody else, because they, they then had eight, eight out of 14 threes in like, you know, 15 minutes of the rest of the first half, so it kind of... <laughs> Started this avalanche, so that was really encouraging, and and we can get into maybe some of the spacing stuff that you wrote about a little bit. Some of the spacing stuffs that the first un- issues that the first unit had, and Toledovich, I think, is a guy who probably unlocks a lot of that. So, I feel like we're going to spend a lot of time talking about how we get Toledovich involved, uh, especially when Giannis is on the court, um, and how we how we maybe see the Bucks take advantage of of his quick trigger and very accurate uh, trigger. Um, MCW, I think, was also he had a, he had a, probably the most interesting game. Yeah, only one of six from the field, uh, but eight of twelve from the free throw line. Eleven rebounds, six assists, a block, and four turnovers in twenty nine minutes. He was plus ten. Um, he was my pick, other than Giannis, to get a triple double this year. And you know, ten, eleven, and six in a pre- first preseason game, not that far off. Um, so if he would have got, would you have countered it? Would you have came on here and said, "Hey, <laughs> no, I, I got no, this no. one right"? No, 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 no. But uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I don't know how you felt MCW. I mean, it was kind of like standard MCW. Like he was, I think, playing well when he had other guys on the court, and he wasn't necessarily having to, you know, carry the load, and the other team wasn't necessarily pressuring him that much. But then in the fourth quarter, uh, playing with you know. I think J.J. O'Brien was on the court at the time. Novak came on the court at one point. You know, it's sort of those things where he didn't have as many guys around him, and yeah. he was pressing a little bit, and the Bulls were amping up their pressure on him. And, you know, he just gets sloppy. Like, his, his handle gets sloppy, and he was kind of all over the place. But like I said, you know, he kind of helped the, maybe helped the Bulls take the lead at one point, but then he came back and made a few big plays to uh to help the bucks come back and and win it and you know obviously the line was was interesting but he's definitely stuffed the box score so i'd say he definitely had a notable line and any of those guys kind of really stand out to you um overall tonight i was gonna say for for people that made me happy players that made me happy restricted mcw would be maybe on my happy uh on my happy scale and free mcw would be on my sad scale uh because (laughs) that's kind of where it was was you you mentioned it when he was playing with other people playing within himself especially when he was playing with del vadova i thought he looked great i mean he's making some nice cuts on the backside and uh one thing that i thought was interesting was when you watched the australian team play if you did it all during uh the olympics one thing Del Vadova is really good at is finding the screener on a play. So if you run some action, uh, this is how he got Bogut for a lot of lobs, was Bogut would slip his uh, his screen, and they get an alley-oop. And MCW is kind of getting those same looks, and that's really intriguing because MCW couldn't be a good screening guard. I mean, he's six foot six. He's big for his size, and if he is willing to set some screens and then off of that action... Del Vadova's able to find him that can be really helpful and I thought there was a, a couple times in that in that first stint they had together where I thought wow this makes a lot of sense and I know I think I've I think I wrote something about it after media day and just said like I'm a little bit scared that they're gonna do this a lot because a lot of times I don't love those two point guard looks because uh, they're not necessarily all that good and maybe it it was just last year having to deal with like I don't even like a Vasquez Ennis look or something like that where <laughs> it was just like oh this is terrible so maybe I was a little bit snake bitten from that one um, 
but I thought it looked really good together. So restricted MCW, I am for. And if that's a if that's a unit, or I guess if that's a two man pairing that can be effective off the bench, that helps with the the shooting guard spot. Maybe you really do turn in that starter, whether it's Brogdon or Vaughn or whoever it may be, into a job start where they're going to start and they're going to play fifteen ish minutes. But then Jet and then MCW are going to cover for a lot of those shooting guard minutes, and I I think that's very interesting and definitely a win that came out of out of this game tonight. That 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 could actually be playable again. It's preseason, and I shouldn't read anything into it. Uh, but you know what? Whatever. I'm just going to let the the good feelings fly. Um, so that would be one. Um, I agree. Monroe was interesting. I mentioned it in the recap, but. Monroe dives for that ball in the first half, and uh, in my head I'm thinking, who, who just did that? And part of the, I mean, it, it's just a, it's a good thing to see. He's, he does appear slimmed down. I know it's a, it's a terrible thing to do. Hashtag muscle watch. Um, but he does look slimmed down, and he does look to be moving pretty well. So, um, part of me wonders if we're gonna see a guy that really embraces that role coming off the bench. So uh, that'll be interesting. And, yeah, the the two new guys, Toledovich and Deli, uh, <laughs> they're fun. <laughs> they just are. And I, I assume it'll probably be a little bit of an irrational love uh, for those two guys just because they were signings and you want to like them. If you bring in a shiny new car, you want to like that new car. Um, so I hope that... I do continue to like them, but I do think it's going to be a little bit irrational. But seeing Toledovich just pull the trigger on a three immediately is is just awesome. And Delvadova obviously knocking down threes on the backside tonight was good. He's going to have bad shooting nights because everyone does, but it was just so comforting to see both of them knock down threes on the backside. Yeah, if if their cars, I would say there may be, uh, you know, if the Bucks are a family with a bunch of kids, then I'd say the Deli and Telly signings are more like minivans, more utilitarian. They're not sexy. No. Um, you know, more budget conscious. But if you shine them up real nice, man, they can look pretty. <laughs> Put some black shoes on a, on a, on a minivan or something like that. I don't know. Um, I think a couple of, so moving away from just sort of like player specific stuff, um, I think certainly the three-point shooting overall, 10 out of 25, despite you know not shooting at all in the first eight minutes of the game, that was encouraging, especially you know because Jason Kidd's talking about shooting more threes. We were kind of sitting there thinking, okay, is it going to happen? Um, I thought it was interesting. I was looking at the shot chart. Uh, they were five out of 14 in the corners last year. They averaged only you know under five three-point attempts from the corners per game. So a huge uptick in the number of corner threes. You know, by now everybody's probably heard what well, corner threes, Mo, you know, is the highest expected value shot in the game or whatever, you know. Um, because again, it's it's the short corner uh, and guys are often, you know, guys are often open in that corner because you, you, you help off those guys and then you move the ball and you can often find open looks in, the, in those corners. And um, Michael Beasley, uh, I, I think I half-jokingly predicted that he would take 20 shots, hit seven in like 23 minutes. How many uh, shots did he take tonight? <clears throat> only oh, took seven. Only took seven. Oh, man. Scored 11 points. I, I had a poll out today on Twitter. Uh, it was nine and a half was what I put the number at. And I felt pretty good about that over-under number. And got to say, pretty surprised uh, <laughs> we we hit the under there. Only seven shot attempts. Good for him. 
Yeah, he got con Doug McDermott for a couple of fouls in the third quarter. Uh, that that kind of helped keep, yeah. keep the the Bulls from making a run. Uh, hit two corner threes. Uh, you may mention or may remember when he was traded for. We wrote uh, in the piece, sort of announcing the trade. He's a forty one percent career shooter from the three pointer and the the corner three. So again, my concern was that you know he wasn't really going to do that much because he would be hunting for mid-range shots or whatever uh but he took i think three or four corner threes tonight and and made a couple of them so that was that was obviously encouraging um because you know again uh, any way you can get floor stretching from those forwards uh is going to be a positive thing um interestingly only 10 fast break points for the bucks tonight despite 22 turnovers by the bulls um i thought the bulls or the bucks uh you know, some of those turnovers were, were certainly a product of the Bucks kind of pressuring, uh, you know, putting some extra pressure on ball handlers in the backcourt, bringing a second man on the point guard coming up and and trying to force some some bad decisions. Um, the Bucks were also, I think, I think they were really active in the paint with their hands. It seemed like they were able to kind of clog things up um, on interior passes. They had 12 steals tonight, so that was a, I think, a positive. And early on, they were doing, I think, very well uh, on the boards. I think they, in the first quarter, they had 12 defensive rebounds to only one offensive rebound allowed. But then that kind of all went south uh, sort of thereafter. Taj Gibson had a bunch of offensive putbacks and kind of, I think, helped them sort of stay in the game for a while there. But, uh, you know, for the most part, there were, you know, I think a lot of interesting things. I don't want to say like huge positives, but... Um, certainly three point shooting, seeing some, some, you know, pressure, forcing turnovers kind of got you thinking, okay, maybe can they start doing the things that they did a couple years ago? Uh, I don't know. Was there anything else from the defensive side that kind of stood out to you, uh, tonight? I thought it was interesting that they were running actual traps. Like that's not, that's not a thing NBA teams do. And there was, it looked like planned situations in which they were going to try to trap uh, behind the half court line. And I would say it, it effectively sped up the bulls. And I think Rondo had a turnover off of one of them as he tried to throw a cross court pass. And it looked like something that was actively making the bulls uncomfortable, um, which is a very good thing and something you want to do defensively. And I know uh, everyone we'll be very happy to see Marcus Johnson uh, tweet out what he did. And I think you had retweeted it. I don't know if I did, Um, but he tweeted out something how, oh, I was talking with the analytics team of South Park now in my Clutterbuck. And they were telling me that if we add five seconds to how long it takes them to get across half court, that's worth, I don't even know, a a point every 20 possessions or something of that nature. Um, And every, every, person that was aware of the bucks getting part signing seth part now uh i'm sure was just like oh my god this is everything i could ever dream of like the bucks uh the bucks color commentator is talking about advanced statistics and how he was talking to these guys about that um so that was a very basketball internet moment (laughs) um i'm sure a lot of people will be happy to see that on twitter um but yeah i thought it was interesting they it, it appears that they're actively trying to find ways to pressure the ball and it's ways that I don't think we've necessarily seen in the past. And it wasn't the ways that they were kind of doing it uh, two years ago when they were really applying a lot of pressure. So it's something that I think teams can prepare for pretty easily and kind of be aware that it's going to happen. Um, but 
for the most part, I, it was a it was a welcome surprise, and the defense did look good for parts of tonight. So it'll it'll be interesting. Uh, <laughs> I think both of us are not super optimistic that the defense will be great this season. I don't think I think we both predicted maybe bottom half of the league in defense. Uh so that that'll be interesting to watch, but yeah, anything they can kind of do to try to squeeze out above average to average defense is is a very good thing. All right, let's talk a little bit about things that make us sad. Uh Eric, I feel like any discussion of things that make us sad has to begin with the first six minutes of the game, the Bucks come out with uh, the starting five. And again, not necessarily quite the starting five you'd expect to see on opening night, but, you know, pretty close to it. Um, you know, Brogdon and Della Vidova aren't, you know, light years apart. And the Bucks did not look good. Uh, down 14-3 to three when they made wholesale substitutions. Giannis was picking up fouls left and right. Uh, he didn't score. The floor felt very cramped. And, you know, just very little kind of going the way that, you know, you would have wanted the Bucks to to be able to start uh, a first preseason game. Again, whatever, it's first preseason game, yada, yada. Um, but what did you see in that first six minutes? And uh, did you think that they addressed it sort of in that second half a bit? Or um, is it just something maybe that we're going to have to watch the rest of the preseason and head into the regular season for uh, if it becomes a consistent problem for them? Uh, that's a pretty rough, a pretty rough lineup there. Um, I, I'm just watching some of the the vines that I included in our recap, and I, I do hope everyone takes a look at those on BrewHoop.com and kind of looks at the floor. But it's just interesting to see a pick and roll ran with Vaughn, Brogdon, and Parker around Giannis and Plumley because there's zero spacing. And it, it's really a convergence of kind of a lot of ideas I think we've discussed over the years. And one of those big ones being, well, when do people respect a shooter? And how many reps does that take? How many attempts per game does that take? What kind of percentage does it take? Because at this point, Rashad Vaughn's supposed to be a shooter, but wasn't last year. Malcolm Brogdon is supposed to be a three-point shooter, but he's a rookie. And Jabari Parker is supposed to be getting better at shooting threes and supposed to be more willing to shoot threes, but he's not. So that's three guys that the other team is not going to respect as a shooter at all. And then you run a pick-and-roll heavy offense that just runs Giannis and Plumlee into four waiting defenders. And, yeah, it's not going to go well. (laughs) You're going to have an offense that scores three points in about six minutes because there's just nothing for them to do nowhere for Giannis to go no creative pass for him to make there's no read good enough for him that's going to somehow alleviate this absolutely awful spacing uh so I I think on Saturday we'll see a different starting lineup I know Jason Kidd said that'll be the case and I think you'll maybe see Della Vadova out there and that alone isn't going to fix it, but that'll help some. That'll be at least one shooter that they have to respect. Um, so it, it's just going to be really interesting to watch how they try to create lineups that create spacing when you have a base of Plumley, Giannis, and Parker. Because you only get two other spots, and those two need to be guys that people actually respect as shooters. Otherwise, I just don't know how there's going to be spacing on this floor. And again, Giannis is great at going to the basket. Jabari is great at going to the basket. And you, 
those two can try to create something out of nothing. And on one of the plays I sh- I showed at Brew Hoop, you can see Jabari create something pretty much out of nothing. And it it's amazing and it's great, but at the same time, it's not going to be a really an efficient way to for the Bucks offense to try to score. So it, it that's a major question. Uh, the spacing questions don't really, um, at least in the first six minutes, they didn't go anywhere. It was kind of like you said, like, oh no, I'm watching this again. And that I think that would be the the feeling every Bucks fan had as they watched the first six minutes of this game. And it's tough because. You know, guy, some guys, uh, Jabari being a really classic example, their inclination is just not to stand further back than they have to and then not attack, you know, <laughs> to, yeah. to stand back and shoot catch-and-shoot uh, threes. I mean, eventually Jabari did hit a catch-and-shoot three from the corner uh, off a Del Vadova drive. Uh, he did shoot a, a straightaway above-the-break three um, in the third quarter that, that back-ironed. Uh, but Taj Gibson was, you know, and it makes sense because I think if I was an opposing coach, I'd put my my best wing defender on Giannis, uh, even if that guy's a little bit smaller. I'd put my power forward on Jabari, and you know, I just tell tell that power forward, hey, if you get into one on one situation, um, you know, don't play for the jump shot, and if you need to, you know, get back on your heels a little bit, uh, you can do that. And the you know the funny part is when when you watch Jabari. First off, you know, he doesn't want to just camp out at three point line. He doesn't want to settle for threes. And and part of that is, you know, I mean, it's good, right? You you don't want to make him into a, just a jump shooter, right? Given what he can do with the ball from mid range going into the going, you know, into the paint attacking and all that. Um but sometimes watching him it's almost like when he gets the ball in those ISOs up top, it's almost like um like a wide receiver screen play and you can just tell like he starts kind of like doing that like, you know, uh, stutter step and like he's just trying to get going for it. He's just yeah. he's just trying to get to the rim, right? And um, you know he's got a lot of kind of I think weapons and kind of like shots in his arsenal um, that you know most guys don't have. Uh, but first and foremost, he's trying to use his athleticism to get to the bucket and and dunk on a guy or whatever. And but but that's hard, right? Because if yeah. a guy like Todd Gibson is just backing up on you, and you've got another guy that's gonna sag, you know, and, and basically help off to to help Todd Gibson, I mean, it's hard to go through that guy. Um, so so it was difficult. I mean, I think Jabari started one for five. Uh, he w- was unhappy. I think he was looking for a couple foul calls that he didn't get uh, early on. Um, he kept attacking Taj, though, uh, you know, to his credit. Uh, and I think the thing that, you know, if we're going to say is we, we obviously generally didn't like the the performance of the Bucks starters, especially in that first half. The one thing I did like, and we've talked about this a lot, we have both been uh, encouraging of Jabari being a little bit of a chucker and yeah. being less unselfish and looking for a shot. And that's something he's definitely going to have to do this season because with Chris Middleton gone – I mean, you saw it tonight, right? I think part of the issue of the spacing, too, that we saw tonight is you effectively replace, you know, Rashad Vaughn slash Malcolm Brogdon, uh, put those guys in when normally you'd have, you know, Chris Middleton, and ideally you would have had Matthew Delvadova this year. That is a very different, uh, a diff- very different lineup in terms of how the other team is going to play you. And, and so that obviously makes life more difficult and, you know, allows the other team to, you know, put a free safety out there that maybe they otherwise wouldn't be able to do. Um, so, it's definitely interesting to see. It'll be, you know, I, I hope we see Delvadova for for sure back in the starting lineup uh, on Saturday. 
you know, it sounds like Jason Terry might not play that. And it would be interesting to see them play like Delhi and Terry just to go sort of the complete opposite yeah. direction yeah. and and just play, you know, guys who who you knew can know can shoot and play off the ball. Um, because obviously Vaughn and, and Brogdon, you know, two or thirteen combined tonight. And just, just especially Vaughn, and he just, he just kind of there, you know. That was yeah. just, it was just kind of tough, tough to watch. But it, I was glad to see Jabari kind of looking for a shot and attacking, trying some different things. You know, he pulled off from, from mid range at one point. He was attacking the rim. He did, you know, get off a couple of threes. Uh, I don't know. I, I thought that was encouraging. That that's more like the Jabari Parker that I kind of expected to see as a rookie, even. Yeah. Um, who would just kind of be out there gunning a bit more. Mm-hmm. And so it'll be interesting to see how that, how that evolves over time. Yeah. It, it, I would, I would agree that it, he wasn't aggressive Jabari Parker. And uh, obviously that's what you want. And I know when we talked with Brett Cormenis, he mentioned that attacking closeouts is going to be, is going to be a big skill for Jabari and something that he has to continue to get better at. Um, obviously shooting some more threes might, make that close out a little bit more serious but uh there was a lot of times tonight where he was attacking a close out and that close out was coming from a pretty good distance because they were sagging so far off of him uh so it it's going to be a a continued development and something that we're going to watch pretty much all season long with Jabari is how he manages to score and how he can try to create some plays cuz you mentioned it there where a, a lineup with Del Vadova and Middleton, they're not primary playmakers, but both of them bring more playmaking to the floor. So when it was that starting unit, it was it's pretty much Giannis. Go go make a go make a play. We we need some points, so it's on you. You got to do this for us because Rashad's not going to make a play. Malcolm might be able to throw a pocket pass. Uh, and he did do that, I think, once or twice tonight. But he's not a playmaker, and Jabari isn't there yet either. So if it's just Giannis out there, it's pretty much on Giannis to create something essentially out of nothing. So uh, that'll be interesting to watch going forward. Yeah, it will be will be interesting. I, I mean, I'm almost disappointed that we have to wait uh, five or six days, whatever it is, until Saturday to get to get our next taste of uh, of game action. Um, I think the big thing we'll hope to see is is Delavadova in the starting five, um, and and hope that we see a little bit more of that liveliness, ball movement, willingness to shoot threes uh, from the first unit uh, and not just the second unit. I will be curious to see if they can get Toledovic on the court with at least Giannis and. I don't know. We we talked about the possibility of, you know, can you play, can you have Giannis defending shooting guards, Jabari at small forward, Toledovic at the four, uh, or, you know, obviously you could try to do sort of the small ball lineup with all those guys playing um, across the front line and then having two guards alongside them to, you know, maybe try to do an ultimate floor stretching lineup. I, I don't know how much we'll see any of those things in the preseason, um, but it will be interesting to see again. I think Toledovic is a guy that that you know at the end of games. I think Delavdova, Toledovic, uh, those are two of the kind of more role playerish guys that the Bucks will uh, have a strong incentive to to see if they can find ways to get them on the court um, as much as possible. But um, will be interesting uh, to see what happens. Uh, other thing I did not like that made me sad, Thon Maker not playing uh, the wrist injury, keeping him out. Uh, I think you mentioned maybe Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. 
maybe he'll be back for that game. That that is the one upside of of having a long week uh, of rest uh, and to get guys healthy. Obviously, is is fun maker to get through that. I have no idea how he gets on the floor, Frank. I just I have no idea. I put it in our recap, and I I would have to look at the box score to see how many minutes Henson had. Henson plays thirteen minutes in a game where Monroe played seventeen minutes and. Plumley played 17 minutes. I it just never seemed like John Henson was involved in the game. John Henson was in the game. John Henson was alive. It, it just did not seem like that at any point during this game. And I, if all three of those guys are on the roster on opening night, I just have no idea how it works with those three plus Jabari and Toledovich at the power forward. And we'll see if they can play together. I think that'll be one of the bigger experiments we'll see on Saturday if Jabari and Mirza can play together. But if they can't, I I don't know how those three big men can see the floor enough to find any sort of flow. One of them has to sacrifice so the other two can kind of see it. And once again, it looks like it's John Henson. It's really interesting because, as we've discussed, Monroe obviously is on the block. Uh, I think Monroe reminded us tonight that the Bucks, especially offensively, are going to lose a lot if he's traded. Um, and, and I think they're going to, you know, if, if they trade Monroe, I think they, they suddenly become a team that's, you know, probably just going to tr- be trying to win, you know, 80 to 76 rock fights. Um, uh, but... We'll see. Obviously, with his contract situation, you can't fault the Bucks for looking to make a move. We've been talking about it forever. Um, but that might be the only situation where you can really balance uh, all the other guys, including Maker. Um, and I think the other, so I think certainly trading one of the big men, presumably Monroe, but potentially Henderson. Uh, and then the other one would be if the Bucks do go to more basically single guard lineups where. You know Giannis or maybe even Jabari, if the shooting guard is total garbage, um, is defending a shooting guard, and you've got uh, Jabari and uh, you know Jabari effectively playing small forward, and then you can either put Toledovich or you know even maybe even Maker out there at the power forward or center, whatever you want to do. So, um, but yeah, it's it's tough right now, uh, and that's also why I think the preseason is so important for a guy like Thon because. He hasn't played in the NBA, so let's yeah. see what he can do in a in a no pressure environment. Uh, and obviously, you know, one one of those games, you know, sixteen percent of the preseason is now over, and Thonmaker is still trying to get healthy, so that that sucks. Um, and hopefully, by by Saturday, he'll he'll be ready to go, and and he can play play some role because obviously he's a guy you you'd like to see get get some minutes and and see what he can do. Uh, and you know, we saw tonight, uh, Jason Kidd is all about throwing those rookies into the fire and uh, we'll yeah. see hopefully hopefully Thon will be available to uh to go into said fire uh on on Saturday. Any other big picture thoughts? I'm um, good, Frank. I feel like we've already gone too long. Okay. All right. We're don't over overreact. We wrote a ton. Let us know what you think. Uh we're just I think so so happy to have seen actual live basketball that you know, <laughs> I agree. We, we get a bit carried away but anyway thanks so much for listening uh leave us a comment uh shoot us an an email brewhoop at gmail.com tweet at us uh at brewhoop and at eric underscore name and of course we'll leave you with one final thought 
SeatGeek. It is the best possible way to get concert and sporting event tickets. Download that mobile app for the easiest way to buy tickets and use the promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. That's L-O-Bucks to get your $20 rebate on your first purchase. The first game is in the books. The Bucks are undefeated. Go Bucks. Long yeah. live Bucks. We'll be back at you tomorrow again. Thanks so much for listening. Take care.